All right, welcome everyone. This is our third Survivor Chronicles, where we're going back and talking to some of the great uh, fan favorites over the years, over Survivor's 20 years on the air during this uh, long off-season we're in right now. Uh, I don't think our guest today needs much of an introduction, but uh, just in case for some reason you forgot, uh, Terry Star screens in Survivor Panama and came back uh, I'm not sure how many years later it was, but it was uh, Survivor uh, Season 31, Cambodia. So, Terry, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. How's, how's your day going? I know you're in, in Detroit right now. Good morning, Gideon. Good morning, Adam. Uh, yeah, I'm on a layover in Detroit, and uh, it's cold out there. <laughs> it's 32 degrees. <laughs> putting another Survivor show in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I, I wanted to ask before we went into some Survivor stuff, because I feel like every time I'm, uh, I have to call you or, or texting you, um, it seems like you're always in some different city doing doing some uh, some different thing. I don't think I've ever contacted you and you've been in the, in, in the same city twice. So I was curious, like what, what exactly is it that you do? Like what, what is a what is like a week in, in, in Terry Dietz's life look like nowadays? Well, a week in my life, uh, so I'm still flying for American Airlines. I'm a 737 captain flying domestically. Uh, mm -hmm. A week in my life would be uh, flying two days, three days maybe, and having four days off and uh, packing as much stuff in as I possibly can. Um, when Cambodia happened uh, five, six years ago, uh, we were still living in Connecticut. Um, and four years ago, we moved out to San Diego didn't quite find our dream spot. And this past November, we moved to Stewart, Florida. So uh, off the northern tip of Jupiter Island. And so that's where we're at right now. In the meantime, I'm still jetting around the country, uh, paying the bills and uh, having fun flying. Uh, when we're home, we're either out on the boat, uh, golfing, uh, working out in the gym. Uh, my son is kicking my butt. He's super healthy. He's kicking my butt. <laughs> I just try to stay uh Stay, stay up with him. It, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, one other thing I'll add, uh, this time last year, we spent three and a half months out in the Abaco Islands in the Bahamas. Uh, they're islands that are uh, east of where Freeport is, which is off of West Palm Beach. And uh, Hurricane Dorian, uh, we have a house out there and Hurricane Dorian uh, destroyed it. Uh, we spent about three and a half months rebuilding, uh, demoing and rebuilding the house. And uh, talk about Survivor. Uh, we're having to go collect water every day, get gas for the generators, uh, hoping all the stuff we ordered got over there so that my son and I uh, could actually rebuild the house and uh, talk about an, an adventure. Oh, my God. Uh, living generator, uh, going through a Cat 5 Hurricane Island. Uh, I'd never seen so much destruction in my life. But uh, we got the house back together again, uh, presently renting it out for a little while. And uh, now we're back home, just kind of enjoying the Florida life. Oh, yeah. Is, is, is Jupiter on the uh, the coast side or is it the, the coast side, right? Jupiter's on the east coast. So basically we're 30 minutes north of West Palm. And uh, okay. one we moved there. Uh, my mom and dad moved down there back in 89. So we're familiar with the area. And uh, we can actually take the boat. Uh, it's a seven-hour trip, but we can take the boat out across the uh, Gulf Stream and over to the Bahamas. So that, that's oh, the wow. game plan. We're tired to have a boat over on the island and uh, be able to fish and go lobstering and then tool around the islands. Uh, 
you know, kind of make our own Kenny Chesney song, you know? <laughs> yeah. How close are you to retirement? Would you say, have you, have you, have you said a year um, or you kind of just playing it year by year? I'm about three and a half years from retirement. The FAA uh, says uh, we pilots have to retire at age 65 with the commercial airlines. So I'm uh, 61 and a half now. Uh, um, I'm hoping, uh, you know, hey, I could get lucky if stuff happens, uh, goes my way. I'll retire a little early. But 65 is probably the right number. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. I, uh, oh, sorry. Were you about to say something, Gideon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Terry, as a person who uh, has never flown on a plane before uh, because my dad's terrified of them, what do, what do you have to say to a person uh, who, who who's terrified of flying and kind of put my mind at ease? Because I'm, I'm probably going to have to fly back home because I'm in New York City right now. I actually drove 16 hours from Tennessee. Uh, so <laughs> what do you have to say uh, in case my dad's watching this to kind of put his mind at ease? I'm just wondering. All right. And how about you, Gideon? Are you, are you afraid of flying or are you all right? Uh, I don't think I'm as terrified as a lot of people. I've just never done it before, so it's kind of the unknown. I've never been on a plane. Right. Well, drink heavily. <laughs> no, just <kidding>. uh, <laughs> take meds, drink heavily. Uh, you, you really got to go, go someplace. All right. So I, I don't know about your dad, but uh, for you, what you might want to do is um, there's flying clubs and instructional schools at a lot of the small airports and you can always give them a call and ask them for a, uh, a familiarization flight. And basically they'll send you up with an instructor and, and you may have to pay the gas, like maybe 50, 60 bucks, but they'll let you, you know, they'll help you fly the airplane. They'll take you flying, uh, talk to you about flying, uh, if you want to take lessons or not, but in any case, um, yeah, you get you can get up there and and find out what it's all about and realize that yeah it's 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 pretty safe and in my business it's it's super safe so oh yeah uh, I that, it, yeah so yeah. That, that's my I, I go, go, go get a flight in a small airplane <laughs> will do <laughs> that's cool i never knew you you had a flown to get it i'm the, i'm the opposite i i I have. Uh, I live in New York, and then I went to college in North Carolina. And my, oh, most of my family's in Pennsylvania, but then my mom's side is in Florida. So I'm usually flying across uh, all over the East Coast. Uh, at least I'm usually flying at least five or six six times a year. So I'm I'm in the opposite boat. I've kind of kind of gotten uh, used to it uh, by now. But um, yeah, that's that's, yes. that's interesting. I've stayed on the ground, but uh, I'm assuming I'm going to have to fly sometime soon. And I'll probably puke or something, but it's okay. Did your dad have like a bad experience or is he, is he just naturally afraid? Uh, I think he's just naturally afraid. And then like the one flight he did have, he was mayor of my town and he had to like do some oh. stuff in China. So he like flew to China and mm -hmm. had a terrible experience and couldn't even make it to China because the storms were so bad. And he was like, oh, I'm never yeah. flying ever again. And I was like, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. 
Um, well, cool. I wanted to to bring it back. I uh, I wanted to ask. You know, you mentioned your your uh, son Terry has been uh, kicking your butt and and some of that stuff. Is it is it uh, your son Danny? Because um, to to kind of remind everyone on uh, Survivor Cambodia, you kind of had a a non a non personal medical evacuation where, of course, you had to uh, leave because of the emergency situation uh, that your son Danny was in. Uh, is is that the son you were talking about? Is he is he doing doing okay now? Yeah, so I, I have two kids. Uh, Kayla is a little, uh, is 26. She's a little older than Danny. Uh, she's in nursing mm-hmm. school in uh, Phoenix, and uh, she's got about a year and a half left there. And then my, my son Danny is Chico State, but he's actually online right now, like most college kids, uh, living with mm-hmm. us in Florida. Uh, yeah, so five uh, half years ago, Danny uh, uh Ended up having a heart transplant is what ended up happening after 90 days mm-hmm. of uh, being in the hospital, basically, and had two open heart surgeries. And uh, we were lucky enough, he got a heart, and that heart has been a, a wonderful match. There's, there's a lot of things, uh, not just blood type, that have to match up when uh, donating an organ and stuff like that. So um, I want to make one uh, public, you know, public uh, a- a- announcement um when think about this um when we get our driver's licenses we put on hey i'd like to be a donor and stuff like that that's the first time that we we ever address anything like that or kind of get a clue about what's going to happen if we happen to pass and they can use our Mm -hmm. organs to save lives um kids 10 year old 13 14 year old anything you know below that age they they don't do that because they're not driving yet right so their parents have to decide if something happens to their child that they then have to decide if they're going to donate the organs in some states the doctors actually have to go ask them so you think about a parent or two and they're in extremis because their child is they you know, brain dead, but their body is good enough to transfer organs to, you know, donate organs. Um, you know, they're in the, in the shit right now. And a doctor has to come up and ask them if you would donate your child's organs. It's a crazy, crazy thing. Uh, and again, some states are updated by law that they have to do that. So what I want to put out there is, you know, have that conversation with your, your, your spouse, uh, in the calm, clear environment of your living room before it ever happens and say, God forbid, anything like this ever happens, but what are we going to do if one of our children, uh, you know, are in dire straits and they're going to pass away? What are we going to do with their organs? And uh, I think all parents should have that, that conversation in, in the, you know, calm, clear environment of their living room, because you don't want to be in the hospital having them, you know, in extremis trying to make that decision for your young, you know, your young child who is now going to pass away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, awesome. I, uh, to be honest, I hadn't, um, I hadn't really heard uh, that much about uh, that issue, but thanks for, for bringing uh, that up. Cause it sounds like a super important thing that I don't think a lot of people are uh, aware of. So I think that's cool to uh, kind of pass the information on. I'm glad uh, that Danny's uh, doing well. You said he's, what's he, uh, what's he studying? What's he in school for? Uh, business with a minor in uh, uh, graphics and marketing. He wants okay. to sell. He wants to sell space travel. 
So when Elon Musk starts on space on his uh, rockets and stuff, when they can all stay together, uh, yeah, he wants to sell that. He wants to sell that dream of space travel. Okay. That's awesome. I know I was just seeing an article a couple of days ago that they think that there will be space hotels uh, by 2027. I, I, I saw that they, the article said space hotels buying you to click on it to, to see what the year was. And I was thinking maybe 50, 60 years from now. And they said they think in five or six years from now, they'll already have the first space hotel in, in orbits. I don't know. It was, uh, I think it was a New York Times article. So it was, it was I guess, official, but... Uh, that's coming. That it's seriously coming. I mean, the, you know, the hardest part, getting the rocket up, up to the uh, space station, docking it, mm -hmm. and then uh, bringing it back. In the meantime, you get to go live, you know, for a week, 10 days. Uh, I think it'd be awesome. And, and plenty of people out there that'll spend the money on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, to bring it back to Survivor, I wanted to ask, I remember reading somewhere um, I wanted to know if this was this was true. Um, I remember reading that uh, you were a fan of the show, um, and it was you had seen. I think Palau. You saw Tom Westman killing a shark, and that was that was sort of uh, what what inspired you to maybe go out and try to apply for the show. Is that is that true, or if not, what was what was what was that moment for you? That that was pretty true. I mean, I, I've watched from day one. You know. Uh, uh, watching Rudy out there and, you know, just everybody, uh, Richard and, and, and the gang. And I always thought it would be great to go on on the show, uh, you know, with the, with the airline thing. Uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I didn't think I could uh, find the time to get get out there. And um, and then finally, I kind of figured out a way I could make it happen. And, and we were watching Tom Westman. His, we watched his entire show and then we were watching him get his million dollar check. And my wife looks at me and said, hey, would you ever want to go on that show? And I'm like, hell yeah, I compete for a million dollars on TV. That that would be awesome. And, uh, you know, yeah. So, you know, that journey started and literally four months later, I'm showing up at Exile Island with 15 other people uh, competing for a million dollars. So, yeah, Tom Westman was my uh, um, basically motivation to go on. And it was kind of interesting because. I had people, you know, he lives out in Sayville, New York, so uh, out east, uh, about halfway out on Long Island. And, you know, I was flying out of LaGuardia and Kennedy at the time in New York. I, I had people I flew with that knew, knew who he was. So we got we got in touch with him, and, uh, you know, I, I've been friends with Tom ever since. So uh, it's been pretty crazy. It's been a crazy run, but that's how I got there. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I, uh, you know, when people think of uh, Terry Dietz, like I think uh, you and maybe Colby are kind of the two like original like challenge beasts that a lot of people uh, think of with the show. I think if I if I have the names right, you um, have the record for the most. You're tied. This is that that exclusive club of like five people. That's like what you, Ozzy, Brad, Mike, Mike and Colby that have that that five uh, immunity challenge record. And, um, but I think you established the record for the most total individual wins with nine. If I, if I did my research, right, I think you have nine post merge uh, individual wins. If you take rewards into it, which is Mike tied the record, but you, you held it uh, on your own for many, many seasons. So I, I was curious, like when it comes to challenge, 
um, competitions, uh, you know, specifically on, on uh, Panama because you got to do all the individual ones for that season. When it comes to challenges, do you think that those challenges that you dominated on on Panama, because it's not like you didn't have competition. I mean, Aris is an amazing challenge competitor himself, and he was right there with you for all of them. Um, when it comes to the challenges on Panama, do you think they just kind of coincidentally played well to your skill set or did you practice at all? Or like, what was it that, that, that gave you the edge? Was it just your passion for the game or were you just, just gave it 100 every time or like, how do you, what do you attribute all those, those challenge victories to from, from Panama? Um, let, let me start off by saying that uh, I think our show, we had like most athletic type challenges. Um, and, and I think we had the most athletic type people. We literally had, uh, I want to say five or six uh, college athletes. You're looking at Danielle. It was a D one athlete, Courtney, a D one athlete. Uh, Aris was a D one athlete. Austin uh, Cardi was a D one athlete. I played, I played uh, college baseball at the Naval Academy, D1. Uh, we had said Bobby, uh, uh, Bob Dog was a uh, D3 pitcher for Amherst College in Massachusetts. I mean, so, and, and Nick was a high school athlete. Uh, um, it, w- it was crazy. Sally was a college uh, soccer player. We had all of these hmm. people. Uh, R- Ruth Marie was a, a ultra marathon runner. Bruce Conaguy was a a renaissance athlete and karate guy. I mean, just crazy, crazy athletic prowess uh, from these guys. And except for Bruce and Ruth Marie, they're all like, you know, 24 years old. Uh, It was difficult. But in saying that, um, uh, you know what? I don't want to say that the younger generation doesn't climb trees or doesn't do uh, stupid stuff with, with, you know, cans and balls and and backyard games uh, you know and but we did growing up that's kind of how we grew up and uh i think mm-hmm. i think that helped a lot uh you know rope swings on the lake you know, you know just stupid stuff that we did when we were kids and um you know like backyard games on steroids and obstacle courses and things like that i got lucky the challenges were like that uh, i spent a lot of time in my life in the water swimming wise and holding my breath, mm-hmm. I trained before I went. Um, so uh, I was good there. And then all the other stuff, I got lucky. You know, the, the challenges, uh, it's like a golfer on a golf course that fits them. Uh, the challenges fit me pretty well. Uh, I also want to say, using a golf metaphor, um, it, it's like Rory McElroy standing over a putt that's worth $10,000. Uh, near the end of the game, every one of those places that you get another episode of the show is literally worth about $10,000. So you'd show up at the immunity challenge and like you literally had butterflies. You're, you know, you're in the background before, you know, Jeff goes, come on in guys. And you're sitting there stretching and, uh, you know, you got butterflies. It's like the first hit, you know, before a football game and and all that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, all of that. Uh, And, I have to say that uh, given the adult challenges that I had had and life experiences up to that point, um, it was, uh, you know, the shit hit the fan and you got to get the kids to school 
or you know something else happens and go to work. I mean, you got to put it, be able to compartmentalize everything and then do your job or take care of the kids or take care of the house or whatever. And me as an adult at 46, I had had a lot more of those experiences uh, and also the same experiences as, as a college athlete that these kids had. But mm-hmm. I was able to maybe focus a little more as the challenge went on or what we had to do. And in talking to Gideon before, um, some of these challenges, um, if you could figure out the technique quickly, you were golden. And or if you would remember seeing the challenge in, in a earlier model of an earlier rendition of Survivor, then you could put that to good use um, later on in your challenges. So I'm sorry, that was kind of a long winded thing about why I, think <laughs> I did well in the challenges. You know, physically, I, I was not what those kids were for sure. So I'd find a better way to do the challenge. Hey, man, you out, you outbrained them. You know, you you knew that you'd watched Survivor before. You knew the techniques, and you used what you knew, and uh, you stayed mentally tough. You know, that's why you're considered one of the greatest challenge beasts of all time. You know, it's funny. You know, in watching Survivor post uh, when I was on. Um, I see other people doing these challenges and sometimes these challenges are repeat challenges and you watch mm-hmm. them and they come up with different techniques. Uh, I remember watching Andrea Balky one time do a, uh, do a challenge. I'm like, Oh my God, I've seen that. Why didn't anybody else think of that before? That's, that's the awesome way to save time and do that challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, you can learn from anybody and, uh, you know, it was fun watching her do that stuff. If, if I ever do that challenge again, if I get, I'm doing it the same way she did it. Yeah, for sure. And it, it just seemed like when you had your victories, like it, it just seemed like for every challenge, you just found this way to go um, like 110, like every time, like as, as, as especially in the older seasons, it seemed like as the seasons would go on, you could tell like the energy levels of the, of the castmates of the tribesmates would just like go down, like each challenge, like they were, you know, they would give it all that they could, but like you can tell just as the, as the food sources depleted and as they were getting less and less water, their, their energy levels just seem to go down and down and down each challenge. Um, but it seemed like you just found this, this core, this like uh, this passion to give it like 110, like every time. I mean, was it, were you like reminding yourself of like why you wanted to be out there or were you just like in love with the game? Like where, where do you think that, uh, that, that, that passion came with uh, during all those challenges and, and even during the, the, the time on, on the camp itself? Well, it's funny because uh, one of the comments I got after that show, uh, not necessarily a nice comment, but uh, the gist of it was, and it was someone that I had gone to high school with, and they didn't put their name, but uh, they said, oh, you know, all he ever wants to do is win. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of it. That's why you go on the show and you, but, you know, maybe in their mind, they're like, he shouldn't have won so much and maybe people wouldn't have disliked him. Uh, you know, maybe that's why he got voted out or, you know, it was some kind of remark like that. And I'm like, well, you don't quite understand the situation I was put in uh, right. and having people like Shane and Norris and they'll tell you psychologically, they tried to beat me down, but you know, they'd be constantly chirping in my ear. Like, yeah, you're, we're voting your ass off next. You're out of here. Yeah, your tribe's gone. You're going next. Blah 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 blah. 
you know, every single day it was like this this record that kept going. So that, that just pissed me off, and I wanted to beat him more, you know. And, and uh, I don't know if it kind of backfired on him or not, but uh, yeah, you, have you ever talked to them about it? And they're like, oh yeah, we tried to beat him down mentally, and uh, yeah, I wasn't having any of that. <laughs> Would you say that you and Aris is the uh, greatest rivalry in all of Survivor history? Because we're we're doing a video on this channel of the greatest rivalries, and I put you and Aris as number one, and I think Adam did too. I did too. Yeah, yeah. We 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 we're doing a you know we're doing a top ten survivors every every other week, and we're doing rivalries coming up, and everyone's voting. And yeah, I think a lot of votes have gone to to you and Aris so far. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you know, Ernst <laughs> was uh, an editor. Even Shane. Shane was really good at some of the stuff. Some of the stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of it, he was horrible. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> he's actually a really good golfer out there. Yeah, I, I, I need to be playing him golf uh, sometime soon. But um, you know what? i uh, got to keep bringing up these golf metaphors. But you need to, in a lot of individual challenges, it, we didn't, we were separated. It wasn't, even though it was a rivalry and I knew where he was within the challenge on his side of wherever it was, um, you have to, and I think it's one of the things that helped me a lot is you got to compartmentalize and you got to totally get into the challenge of what you're, what's right in front of you. You know, you, you can't be an obstacle ahead. You can't be thinking about him catching up behind or maybe him being ahead, which happened to me in a couple points. You got to just continue to focus on your game and on the particular challenge. And the more you could focus on that, the better you were going to do, regardless of how the other person was, was doing or not. And, you know, if they were ahead, you could only hope that, well, maybe they'll make a mistake or something else like that. Um, that happened to me in the uh, when we had four people left. I made a mistake in a challenge that it cost me the million dollars. And I literally I missed. Uh, uh, we were putting ropes together at uh, two ropes and you dug underneath the X when the ropes were together. And I kicked my rope and it literally moved the X over a couple of inches. And I missed the puzzle piece bag by one inch because I had to run all the way back up the beach, get the right coordinates run back, straighten the ropes out, it moved the X over a little bit, and I was, my hole was one inch away from the puzzle pieces. That cost me about a minute of time, and I, Aris put the last puzzle piece in like a second before I did, even with that, that minute delay that I had, I made a mm -hmm. mistake. I was dead and made a mistake, and Aris took advantage of it and won the challenge, and that would have gotten, we would have uh, voted Aris out at that challenge. And it would have been me, Sari, and Danielle going into the final. And um, I think it would have been me and Danielle in the final at that point. Uh, but mm -hmm. lose concentration for a second. And literally for the next 12 years till I got on Cambodia, I, I know in my back of my head, I missed a million dollars by one inch and one second in a challenge. And, uh, you know, that, that, that stinks. That is no fun to think about. So, uh, you know, you got to concentrate on what's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sorry, cause I know, uh, I hate to, you know, bring back, uh, potentially bad survivor memories, but 
Um, for those for those who don't remember uh, Panama, if it's been a while since you've seen it, um, of course, in the uh, in the final three, it was down to you, Danielle, and Iris on those. It was they were like what barrels in the water that you had to had to balance on. Um, and of course, Danielle um, ultimately. What's that? They were lily pads. They were lily pads that got smaller yeah. and smaller. But basically, oh, that's right. Flat pieces. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah uh, of course. Probably, yeah, I think Danielle was about ninety-five pounds at that point. Aris and I were mm -hmm. both one hundred and sixty-five pounds, trying to balance on the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, of course, it's it. Danielle ultimately uh, won the challenge and chose to chose uh, Aris to go to the end with, uh, which placed you in third. Um, now, had you won that challenge? Um, for the, for those who may not know, you uh, you had only received one vote cast against you the entire game of Panama. And it was that last vote that uh, that Danielle placed against you. So I mean, if you had if you had won the challenge, I hate to you know speak in in, in too much hypothetical, but if you had won that challenge, I'm, I'm assuming it would have been uh, Danielle that you would have picked to go to the end. If if you had won that, coupled with you know, not having received a vote the whole game and all the wins, there's a chance you may have gone down as one of the greatest, uh, the greatest to have to have ever played. Um, I mean, would you do you think if you had won, would it have been a lock to take Danielle to the to the finals, or, or what was what was that moment like that challenge? Oh yeah, so yeah, I knew I knew there was a lot hinging on it. Um, you know, one of the things I thought about is like, you know, I I had done a lot of surfing in my life, so. I figured, mm -hmm. wow, this is going to be, you know, not easy, but wow, this is going to be good. And I didn't quite realize that uh, it wasn't quite the same as surfing. And it, um, <laughs> and not winning that challenge to me was, you know, it was heartbreaking, but I thought I had had a, a, a I don't want to say an alliance, but um, uh, I thought Danielle and I were going to go to the final. I thought she would pick me. And uh, mm -hmm. obviously that that wasn't the case. Anyway, um, the, the, <laughs> there there went my million dollars. And, and Danielle, <laughs> Danielle, I think her actually made the, the right choice. Uh, they did that straw poll after it. Uh, who would have voted for Terry? Who would have voted for Danielle? And you know, I would have won. I think five to two or something like that. I think Bruce, Bruce and Sari said they would have voted for Danielle. Um, hmm. But in any. Uh, yeah, I would have d definitely taken Danielle, and or if Danielle had taken me, I think you know either way I would have won. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was tough. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Well, it stinks that it took us all the way to Cambodia to get you back on. I mean, were you? Did they ask you to come? <laughs> yeah. Did they? Did they? Were you ever in talks to come back in any any of the other returning seasons? I thought I remember somewhere that you there was maybe a chance you were coming back for that Micronesia season, um, but was it just uh, was it just you're working in the way or well uh, you know why did why did it take yep. us to all the way to Cambodia to see you? In, in fact, uh, I was I was in the running for uh, Heroes versus Villains or something, mm. and I think Tom got the nod. Uh, and I, I was literally on the, uh, oh God, I think I was on the Whitestone bridge coming back from JFK on a trip. I, I just come back from, uh, from like Europe, from London or something like that. And, uh, I'm driving home and I'm on the Whitestone bridge heading out of uh, Long Island. 
and I got a call from casting going, hey, Terry, uh, we're sorry to tell you, uh, you didn't make the cut for Heroes versus Villains. And I'm like, are you kidding? Because the first Survivor I was on, it was just like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You're the guy. All right. Boom. Done. It was, it just seemed so easy. And then all of a sudden I got cut from the cast. I'm like, damn, that didn't work out so well for me, you know? And, uh, and so I think I filled out paperwork three different times, uh, post season 12. So there was, you know, three other times where I got to, um, you know, I got pretty far and then, uh, yeah, it didn't go. I think one of the closest was, uh, uh, I think it was the second uh, Blood versus Water, and uh, okay. Sandra Diaz, daughter who was just graduating from high school, and my daughter who was just graduating from high school, were both, you know, brought out to um, out to L.A. and you know went through that whole you know final interview process and and all that kind of stuff, and, and in the same hotel that we were in, it was pretty funny, um, and they both got cut, so Jeff thought they were both a little too, on the young side and so then sandra and i got cut so uh god it would have been awesome playing with sandra so all right so i don't know if you know this but you know her husband is um is made is the he has made it to the top of the uh enlisted side of the army he he's made it the highest rank possible and uh i I think it would have been you know and i talked to her about the whole military thing you know when when we're together this is sandra's sandra's husband Sandra's husband, yeah, he's a kick-ass okay. army guy, and uh, yeah. So anyway, so we have that that connection, and I think Sandra and I would have played uh, a really good game together. Mm. Oh, what could have been? <laughs> um, did you, uh, is this it? Is this it for you? I mean, would you, uh, if if there was a way to make the time and work, do you think you would uh, at least entertain the the potential of of coming back a, a third time? I know a lot of I've seen a lot of people uh, it kind of this 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 dream fan season that I, I keep hearing thrown out is a uh, survivor third times a charm. So it's, it's a bunch of players that have played twice but haven't won. Um, and, and every time I see like a dream cast, I always you're one of the people that's on every single uh, dream cast for this third times a charm. So if it was that or something else, I mean, I mean, would you would you at least entertain the idea of of coming back a third time? Oh, I definitely would. Uh, I, I don't think I'd be even close to being the challenge piece with all these young studs and, uh, <laughs> and, and they have on these shows that are great in puzzles and great in athletics and great in swimming. Yeah, I'd be like the old man. Uh, yeah, tell me where to vote, who to vote for, whatever, you know. So, but yeah, I would, I would um, if the timing was right, uh, I, I would definitely go. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that'd be pretty cool. I got, I, <laughs> I remember there was old people on my show, you know, on both of them. And I, now I'd be like, pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, stop selling yourself short, man. I think you do fine. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in okay. 61 year old, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not holding their water for sure. I'll go get water for them after they're done. <laughs> um, well, very cool. Well, uh, before I let you go, I uh, I wanted to ask uh, one last question, uh, sort of outside Survivor. But Gideon, did you have any question burn, burning questions you wanted to ask before we uh, before we let Terry go? 
No, I'm just, I'm just enjoying listening to it, man. I get, it's just one of my favorite players growing up. I'm 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 having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry, I was curious. Uh, you know, obviously, you've been to so many places, kind of to, to take it out of, out of the survival world. You've obviously been um, around the world, a lot of different places. So I was curious, like, of all the cities and, and places you've been to, do you have a a favorite spot? And then, do you have like a dream location somewhere in the world that you've never been to that you've always wanted to uh, to go to? Um, you know what? I, I've been, I've been blessed to be, uh, in, in a place in my life and in my job where I've been able to go all over the world, uh, either mm-hmm. through the Navy or the airlines. Um, I, one of the places, uh, I, I really like London. I like England. I like Milan, Italy. Milan, Italy is the bomb. Everybody there to me dresses like they're a model like they're 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 fashion conscious and i just it's it's really cool and and the the, you know the wine and and food over there is awesome uh one of the other places i'd really like to explore a little more um is um argentina and you know marty piombo has got some connections down in argentina and uh yeah I, i i'd like to definitely uh explore that a little more, a little deep South Af- South America and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple of places in Africa I'd like to go to, um, you know, and all those are on the list on some of the bucket list and stuff like that. But uh, like I said, mm-hmm. if you haven't been to Milan, haven't been to Buenos Aires, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I've recently had the chance to go to Bora Bora twice in the past five years. It's beautiful. It's uh it's directly south of Hawaii, and and just like Hawaii, uh, you know, on the on somewhere close to the equator, just it's it's beautiful. It's probably like what Hawaii used to be before World War II, where people go around speaking Tahitian all the time. You know, it's their total culture, uh, mm-hmm. and they don't want to change. I know some. I ran into some people down there that were, uh, they never they've never been outside of the atoll that surrounds the volcanic island that they live on. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Oh, so what one more one more thing I wanted to add, talk about uh different places and mindsets and stuff like that. I, I'd like to I know I know it's better to single site in Fiji, but it would be great if uh, uh like every third or fourth episode they could take Survivor on the road out outside someplace else from Fiji. Um mm-hmm. I, I think that'd be pretty cool. I, I don't want to see Survivor kind of get uh, like, you know, Big Brother on the beach type of setup. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they got to find some places that are a little bit more harsh. Um, I know it was part of my game, the whole, the actual survival part of Survivor. Uh, mm-hmm. That is my books. Even though people are losing weight a little bit, uh, it's it's just, it's not as hard as it used to be. And uh, in my mm-hmm. books, people, the, there needs to be one person on a show crying for their mama, wanting to quit. That's how hard it should be. It really will be. That's how hard it should be. And uh, I think, because it's part of my game, and I know uh, it's part of other people's games. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see a little more. A little more crying, yeah. a little more, uh, I don't take this anymore. I'm so hungry. Oh, yeah. Tough shit. Play for the million dollars. 
Yeah, no, I know what you mean because we were. Uh, I know I was just telling you we were just talking to uh, T Bird yesterday, and she was telling us yeah. about Africa. And man, it's, it's some some horror stories with the dealing with the wildlife and their water was like they were basically like drinking mud. And now nowadays, you know, every every tribe has their own water well, and they throw the disinfected pods in there so they don't have to worry about boiling it. And uh, there's like rewards. There's so many reward challenges nowadays. That I think they only air like half of the rewards on TV because um, there's so many of them nowadays. But um, so yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's interesting how the show has kind of evolved and, and shifted. Uh, some 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 ways in the in the better. Some ways I feel like they. I agree with you. I think they need to bring some of the stuff that made the show so great in the the early early old school seasons back. Um, so just. They just got to find a good balance, but so no, I, I agree with what you're saying for sure. But you also make a good point. Um, now, obviously, there's there's demographics of who watches the show, who doesn't watch it. Um, where can they pull more um, more eyeballs? You know, it's the people that are the same kind of people that are in the Echo Challenge would were a lot of the original people that watch Survivor for the challenges and for the survival part of the show. And those people mm -hmm. are gone, you know, they watch the show anymore because, well, you know what, you know, nobody's getting hurt. You know, it's like going to NASCAR. Right? There's no crashes anymore. You know, nobody's getting hurt. Uh, they're not starving. They're not, you know, whatever. They're not falling down. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we like echo challenges. We like all that kind of stuff. Fear factor, uh, naked and afraid. You know, a lot of times, a lot of those people don't watch Survivor anymore because, you know, it's it's getting more like Big Brother on the beach. Um, so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I I would venture to say that there's some people that have been on Survivor that, um, yeah, wouldn't last a couple of days in, in a real Survivor <laughs> situation. Uh, definitely mm -hmm. not. They're not as hard as T-Bird is with the whole Africa thing. That lady, <laughs> she she can withstand anything. Oh yeah, my props to her. She's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very cool. Um, thank Terry. Thank you so much uh, for joining us again. This is our uh, third uh, Survivor Chronicle. We're uh, later today. We're also talking to uh, Clay Jordan, second place from uh, Survivor Thailand, and Dean Kowalski, second place from uh, Survivor Island of the Idols. So we're we're getting a cool array today of uh, old school, new school, and uh, I guess I don't know if, if 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 there's like a middle school Terry. I don't know if you kind of fall in the the middle school realm. Because uh, you played on Panama and, and Cambodia, so it's cool to it's cool to be able to talk to you guys and get a wide array of, of uh, different experiences, different perspectives on the show. Not just because of uh, you know where everyone came from beforehand, but because of uh, you know what situations they were dealt with uh, with their time on the show. So I appreciate you coming on and and talking to us. Uh, you had a cool, unique uh, experience on the show that I don't think uh, most had with all the uh, challenges you won. Uh, so it was cool to talk to you today. So thanks so much for, for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks to both of you guys, and thanks for your time. Uh, have a great weekend, and, and we'll talk to you all soon. Absolutely.